Hello listeners, happy almost 2024. In the new year, I'm starting a journey through the Psalms, and I was wondering if you might want to join me. We're going to be asking questions like, how do the Psalms speak into our lives? How can they help us get in touch with our deeper emotions and to better understand ourselves? How can they lead us to live fuller, more honest, more authentic lives? What can they show us about who God is and who we're invited to be in the world? So in the coming year, I'm going to be going through the 44 psalms that I've arranged and recorded with my dear friends, the McGraths, and each week I'm going to share reflections on a psalm of the week, and there will be an accompanying journal, and I'm going to be offering a weekly short-form podcast here on this podcast platform where I will talk about the background of each psalm and the songs that I've arranged and how the tune and the words have come together, and some questions for reflection for you to take away with you. The journal will be available for all paid subscribers to either Psalms for the Spirit podcast or my spirituality writing platform, Bless My Feet. I would love it if you would join me on this journey through the Psalms in 2024. I believe it's going to be a very rich and transformative journey as reflecting on the Psalms has been for me for the past decade or so as I've been working through these Psalms and reflecting on them again and again. And if there's a reflective soul in your life, consider inviting them along. I'll be in touch after the new year with some more information about this. But until then, blessings of hope and joy and peace and love to you all this Christmas and holiday season. we need to awaken to not to ignore all the torn up bits but we are broken and beloved welcome to psalms for the spirit a podcast about spirituality and resilience through the lens of the biblical psalms I'm Kieran Young-Wimberley, a Presbyterian minister and spiritual director from the U.S. but living on the north coast of Ireland. I've been working closely with the Psalms for about a decade now, arranging, recording, performing Psalms set to Celtic melodies, along with my dear friends, the McGrath family from Dungannon, County Tyrone. And through the years, I've heard how the Psalms help people through times of trouble, through times when the mountains seem to be falling into the sea, times when the world is in upheaval, either on a personal level or on a collective level. In this podcast, I'm inviting friends and respected teachers to explore with me how the Psalms lift our spirits in difficult times, how they lead us toward healing and hope, and about the connection between spirituality and resilience. Today's guest is Ruth Patterson, Presbyterian minister, writer, retreat leader, recognized internationally for her deep spiritual insight and her gently powerful work in peace and reconciliation in Northern Ireland. 
When I first heard about Ruth Patterson, it was with a certain sense of awe, as she was the very first woman in any denomination to be ordained in Ireland. Well, perhaps since St. Bridget in the 5th century. Not only that, but she speaks with clarity and eloquence, and shows a steady kindness toward everyone she encounters. Ruth is one of those people for whom poetry and meaningful quotations roll off the tongue effortlessly, and whose reflections are profound while also being accessible and applicable to daily life. The organization she founded and led for 30 years, Restoration Ministries, brings people together across community divides in Ireland around their shared spirituality and draws on the image of restoration depicted in the Psalms. In this conversation, which we had in the heart of Advent, We talk about the link between the Psalms and the history of Ireland, about the importance of hospitality toward ourselves, God, and others in moving into a future of restoration, about the journey toward becoming our full selves, and about how awakening to our belovedness is the starting point for healing and wholeness in this world. So whatever it is that brought you here, I'm glad you're with us. start by asking what I ask everybody who comes on to this podcast. How is your spirit today? Today, the sun is shining and everything is bright outside and that always lifts one's spirit. If I look back over the last 20 months or so, at times it's been good like everybody else. and At other times, it's been pretty difficult and I would feel sort of tempted to respond. You probably know this quote, but Rosa Parks, the civil rights activist, when asked once how she was feeling, she said, my feet is tired, but my soul is marching. And especially during Advent, it's my favorite season of the year. I just, I feel that sense of awakening and of hope again, even though at the moment, physically, I'm restricted with a broken foot. Yes, yes. You know, I, I think the last while has challenged all of us and maybe put us in the position of, well, we have had more time when, if we so choose, we can reflect and, to use that old word, ponder mm-hmm. about our own lives and the journey we've been on and what's going on in the community, in the country, in the world, but maybe most importantly, what's going on deep within us.
did you first become familiar with the Psalms? My roots uh, would be in Donegal. And I remember as a very young child, uh, well, we would go there every summer. My father and generations before him lived there and farmed mm. the very rocky northwest coast of Donegal. Mm. And on their bit of land, there was a promontory that had only one tree. And this tree was growing just beside an inlet. The tide would come in and surround the, the roots of the tree. But when it would go out again, there'd just be a river running down the inlet. And uh, long before I was born, when an aunt of mine visiting looked at the tree and called it the tree that hath. So the, the first psalm in the, the old Psalter, the, the metrical version, it, it starts off that that man hath perfect blessedness who walketh not astray. But I think it's the second verse says, he shall be like a tree that hath been planted by a river. Mm. So she called this tree, the tree that hath. <laughs> and and we've, we've called it that ever since. And each time I go up in, in the summertime to Donegal, I always visit the tree that hath and I give it a hug. <gasps> it's still standing and its roots are still going out towards the water. And even though it looks battered and almost done, it's never done. And so, you know, it's a, it's a sort of little parable of, of, of someone having faithfully journeyed and still there, you know. Yes. And also, you know, my parents, both long dead now, but they had favourite psalms. And my mother's favourite psalm was one, two, one. I will lift mm -hmm. my eyes to the hills. Does my help come from there? And again, I would associate that with the hills of Donegal. Mm -hmm. Donegal for me tends to be a, a thin place, mm -hmm. a sort of meeting place. Mm -hmm. And of course, my favourite Irish saint is Colin Kill at Columba yeah. and all the links with Iona and so on. Mm -hmm. So her favourite psalm was that. And my father's was 24, the latter part of which talks about lift up your gates, you know, your ancient gates, ancient doors and let the king of glory enter. And I've always sort of associated those particular verses, strangely enough, with the ancient history of Ireland mm. and, you know, how, in a sense, we need to lift up all the gates and open the doors that would have separated us from each other. Mm. And historically, if you like, and don't let the King of Glory enter yeah. with his power and his healing and his mercy and his love mm -hmm. so that uh, Ireland might be restored mm -hmm. like that maybe sounds fanciful but I don't mean it that way it's a sort of dream yeah and a prayer that I have yeah, yeah. well that's that's a really interesting reading of lift up your gates and like gates being something that separate people from each other. I actually never thought of that meaning of it. And I love the way you're connecting it with the ancient history of Ireland and all the way up to the present and the need for separated people to come together and find restoration.
Is there any other one that you've found meaningful to you over the years? Well, it would be very remiss of me not to say Psalm 23, Uh especially the line, he restores my soul, because that's the line Mm -hmm. uh, from which we took our name as Restoration Ministries, the organization with which I've worked for over 30 years now. So yeah, Psalm 23, which is so well known, and therefore I think we lose often some of its meaning and its mystery because we think we know it. Mm -hmm. if you take it again, take it slowly, it's so full of riches. And each time I go to it, it seems as if there's a different phrase for the particular day would strike me. I mean, I, I love the image of you prepare a, a table for me in the presence of my enemies and thinking that that comes from the whole idea of the prime importance of hospitality in the ancient Middle East, Mm -hmm. Near East, Mm -hmm. and how if a fugitive was fleeing from his enemies and came across a desert encampment, the host was compelled under the laws of hospitality to bring him in and give him shelter and, and prepare a feast. And so I can almost see that happening and around the encampment, the enemies would be waiting, but they couldn't touch him or her because... It was the law of the desert. So I, you know, when things are maybe really tough, both individually and collectively, I tend to recall that and know that God is the host Mm -hmm. and he is in the midst of angst and fear and worry. And he is also at the same time, almost paradoxically, offering us protection and a feast, not just minimalist, but abundance is that something you've seen come to life in your work through Restoration Ministries? Have you seen people come together and you've also provided that hospitality for others? Yeah, we have felt, yeah, that hospitality is sort of central to everything. That one way in which I, I view the faith journey is a restoration of hospitality, uh-huh. sort of a restoration of hospitality between myself and God, between the alienated parts of my own inner being between myself and the other and indeed between myself and the whole created order so it sort of runs through everything Mm -hmm. that whole idea of of hospitality so I love that yeah so what do you think happens when we're restored you've obviously thought about this word for decades and you know you've Mm -hmm. seen it in action it's something I think that has come up a lot recently in the past few years with coming through this difficult period and I think of the word resilience a lot but another word that comes up a lot is restoration and renewal and things like that? How do we find Mm -hmm. restoration and renewal and resilience? So what does restoration mean to you? Well, especially thinking of the last couple of years, but overall, it doesn't mean going backwards Mm -hmm. to something in the past, although we bring the riches of the past with us. But restoration is something that maybe being strengthened in our inner beings, we're able to step out towards it or begin to live the future that we long for mm-hmm. in the now, mm-hmm. in the present moment, even though it's, it's like the kingdom that is to come, but is here and is within. And uh, for me, restoration is a journey. There's no such thing really, or very rarely as waving a magic wand and you're moved from A to B, because actually the journey itself is huge gift And someone once said the journey itself is home, but I also love that quote from Antonio Machado, traveler, there is no path, paths are made 
by walking. And as people experience the hospitality that implies listening and building relationships and being attentive to their own inner journey and also looking at the value of the small things and whatever they mean by prayer, if they focus on those things, then restoration begins to be evident within them and around them. Mm. So it's definitely for you, it's not about going back. It's about both living in the present and moving forward into something. It's not something just out there. It's something that can be at least partially incarnated Mm. in the now. You know, I was watching it some time ago now, but I was watching some archaeological program and there was excitement because they'd find this great, they had this great dig and people were coming to see it. And there was a notice up, a sign with an arrow, this way to the past. <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness. And I sort of, you know, thinking of that in a wider scale, that there also needs to be a this way to the future. Yes. It's not negating yeah. the riches of the past, bringing the riches with us, yeah. but I've heard so many people say, when will we be back to normal? Mm -hmm. And I think, "Mm, Mm. no, 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 no. Mm. I know it will be uncomfortable because we have to let go so much to step forward into a future. But but that's the, it's the only way, you know, that uh, lovely little book, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse, where the boy asks, is there a school of unlearning? Mm -hmm. I wonder. And I think we all need to, and maybe these past two years have helped us enroll on such a course (laughs) of unlearning, of letting go so that we can embrace whatever it is. At the moment, we're, we're still in liminal space. You're listening to Psalms for the Spirit, a podcast on spirituality and resilience through the lens of the biblical Psalms. Today, I want to highlight a really wonderful opportunity coming up in April 2024, the Resilient Spirit Pilgrimage to Ireland. Consider taking 11 days to come to Ireland to explore what brings us joy, strength, hope, and resilience to our lives. We'll begin with a six-day retreat at the beautiful Corrymeela Residential Centre in Ballycastle on the North Coast, which alone will take your breath away. But on top of that, we have a program throughout our stay that's geared toward helping you find resilience within yourself and to develop practices and wisdom that you can take back home with you. Resilience expert Sarah Cook will be our first guest facilitator, followed by the brilliant reflective practitioner Paul Hutchinson. I'll be leading a retreat day with Celtic Psalms music and space for silence and sharing. And then we'll have a session on Zoom with the one and only poet, theologian, poetry unbound creator, member, and former leader of the Corimila community, Padre Gotuma. Pilgrimage participants will then head a few hours south to the stunning hills and ancient monastery of Glendalough, where we'll spend a few days connecting with the beauty of nature and the wisdom of Celtic spirituality before spending a day exploring the vibrant city of Dublin. This is going to be a transformative, uplifting, joyful, and inspiring experience. Come join us on the beautiful north coast of Ireland at the Corimula Centre for the Resilient Spirit Pilgrimage in April 2024. If you're interested, you can find out more in the episode notes. Thanks for listening to Psalms for the Spirit, and once again, I'm so glad you're with us. My Lord and my God, I'll give thanks ever.
interesting thinking back on what you've just been saying, because there is, there's something that we want to hold on to in the past and the ancient history and the stories and the generations. Mm -hmm. And that's so important, but, but choosing what to let go of and what to Mm -hmm. hold on to as we move forward. Yeah. And that's not, maybe that's not always clear to people. And yeah, as you're saying, unlearning some things and letting go of something mm-hmm. so that we can move forward as healthier, more whole mm-hmm. people into, into the future. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we can't do anything grand or great, but my responsibility is, is me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember Richard Rohr said once about the meaning of universe, mm-hmm. which was from, Unus and versus, and really meant to turn around one thing. Mm. So each of us can turn around one thing. And I feel that the domino effects of all the little acts of turning around one thing is what will bring change. What do you think of when you you have that image of turning around, something changing, something transforming? My heart and my mind would always go immediately to relationship. Mm. Because we can all turn around one relationship. 99% of the people who would have come to see us over the years in Restoration Ministries would have had an issue with forgiveness. And that includes us. You know, it's such a huge thing. So even in turning around something like that, instead of holding on to stories that we've heard about people without knowing the real truth or letting go of of a grudge or a resentment, and seeing the bigger picture and and wanting to step out into the, the vast open space of God's love and mercy. Mercy, which the Psalms are full of. Mm. You know, um, each of us can do that. And we don't know the effect that that's going to have. Yeah, I just love, I love the idea of each person having that, I guess, empowerment to be a part of something much larger than themselves. Yes. And peace shall greet with a kiss from the ground shall spring kindness, goodness will shine from the skies and God will bring. You know, I I had this lovely book of yours, The Gaze of Love, and I just picked it up recently to see, did she have any mention of the Psalms? And I found this lovely chapter about the Psalms in here. I was wondering if you could say something about that. Maybe maybe tell us about what you uh, explore in this chapter. It was largely based on Psalm 139, and I'm sure you're the same when you when you take a psalm and read it, something will strike you at one stage of your journey and something else. But the phrase that was striking me when I was writing the book was, when I awake, Mm -hmm. I am still with you. And uh, it was this whole concept of awakening, Mm -hmm. awakening to who God is, awakening to who I am, you know, (laughs) and the two for me are inextricably interlinked. And I think in it, I was remembering some of my little grandnieces where we used to to sing this song where we 
would um, stand in a circle, go around in a circle and sing once there was a princess, you know, the, the story of the Sleeping Beauty. And then they would get really excited because she slept for a hundred years. And then the handsome prince comes riding and he wakens up the princess. And they're so, you know, they were so excited. And I sort of thought that was a, a beautiful image of the God who longs for us far, far more than we ache and yearn for him. Mm. That's beautifully portrayed in the Song of Songs, that we don't read very often because people get too embarrassed because they, they can't cope with intimacy and they read it on a, a sort of two-dimensional level rather than the third dimension. Yeah. But just that sense of, of God wooing us and awakening us to the reality, not only of his presence, but of our own belovedness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have always loved that word beloved. And I think wherever I go, I talk about it mm. because for me, it's not just a description, mm. an adjective that describes who we are. If you break it down, and I love words and I love breaking them down, but if you break it down, it's also a command mm. to be loved. Oh, right. And, and I feel it's almost a vocation. I feel, I believe it's the real reason Jesus came to reveal to us how much we are loved. And an awful lot of people find that impossible. To be loved. To be loved. Mm. In fact, so many people don't love themselves at all. In fact, they hate themselves. And for many, you know, I, this is not a judgmental statement because many people, maybe we need to have modeled for us a little bit in our humanity mm -hmm. you know, from the people around us what loving is all about. And if people haven't had that, mm -hmm. you know, then that's, that's very difficult. But for those who have been nurtured in the faith, what a huge responsibility rests upon their leaders mm. and themselves to model that sense of being loved. And so many people in our society, in our churches, do not know that. And that's, I'm sure you find that too, it causes great pain mm -hmm. and sadness that that's not there. But be loved, beloved. <laughs> you know, and that's partly awakening to that truth. And the awakening thing also means the letting go once you're awakened. You can't be fully awake if you're cluttered with all sorts of stuff, you know. There's another Psalm, Psalm 73, where the psalmist is really wrestling with why the wicked are prospering. And they certainly are all over the world at the moment. But then he said, I went into your sanctuary and I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. And yet I still belong to you. And that's what we need to awaken to, not to ignore all the torn up bits and the things inside, but there's also, we are broken and beloved. Yes. We still belong to him. And when we awake, he is still with us. Around on every side of Psalm 139 says, um, and I think that the process of awakening lasts more than a lifetime mm. because there's always more. Mm. You know, I feel I'm hardly even at the starting line. There's always more.
It makes me think about when I wake up sometimes in the early hours. I often will purposely wake up early if I need to write something. And it's because when you wake, you have a clarity that you don't have. Mm-hmm. You you said something about the the clutter of of life, you know. And when you first wake up, as long as you're not too sleepy, obviously and groggy, when you're awake you are clear yeah you can almost touch it yeah. sometimes don't yeah. you that clarity yeah. yeah it's like a real crisp awakeness mm-hmm. as long as you've had a good night's sleep and then just <laughs> the idea of awakening to to that you know and for mm-hmm. that to be what we are aware of and what is clear to us is mm-hmm. belovedness to be loved being awake to who we are before god and, and what that means as far as what's possible with our relationships with one another and what we're mm-hmm. hoping for in this world, what we're moving forward into in the future. Mm-hmm. It all begins with that. It does. It begins and, and ends and begins again mm-hmm. with that, you know, where people quote it so often, but we shall not cease from exploration, T.S. Eliot's thing, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. People just quote that. But actually, I discovered when I read it again, that there are two lines before that, which make sense of the whole thing. And he says, with the drawing of this love and the voice of this calling, we shall not cease from exploration and the end of all. And I just love that because it's it's love that draws us and it's the voice that calls, even if it is a faint whisper in the wind. Yeah. And that gives us what it takes to be explorers, mm-hmm. really. I have always admired you since I first heard about you and met you because you were the very first woman to be ordained in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. You were somewhat of an explorer in your time and you paved the path for, you know, others to follow in your footsteps. And what was that like for you? And did you have to return again and again to that source of belovedness to keep going on your journey? Uh, Looking back, I mean, I think it's a huge gift of God that we're not given to see the future, (laughs) you know, because you, you take one step at a time. Retrospective guidance is a great thing. No, it was tough. Of course, it was tough because it wasn't only the first in Presbyterianism, it was the first in any denomination. Therefore, you were living a bit in a goldfish bowl and the whole question, whether I liked it or not, of whether women should be ordained or not, was being judged on how one person performed or, or failed to perform. But I look back and I have always felt Dag Hammarskjöld wrote once, one time General Secretary of the United Nations, he wrote once about his journey and his calling. And the end of the little reflection was, weep if you must, but do not complain. The way chose you and you must be thankful. So I have always felt that that was true. It, it was the way that chose me. And it was the way, the way that chose that I journey through that and into restoration ministries. So maybe there were people who thought, stop here, stay within the system. Mm -hmm. But you can't ignore the inner nudge or whisper to move again, even though by and large it wasn't understood and maybe still isn't, but you have to be true to that. And that's, I've stumbled many times, I've made many mistakes, but not but, and 
I know now in a way that I didn't know before that I am broken and beloved mm-hmm. rather than the but. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful. I think you, you're asking in one of your questions about what the, the Psalms tell us about who God is. For me, it's not so much that I cling on to God, but that the real meaning of faithfulness is that God is clinging on to me. <laughs> and um, the Psalms are full of that. Whom have I in heaven but you, you know, where on earth and so on and, and just this this longing after God because people know that He is their one safe place. That runs right through the Psalms as well about God being our rock and our safe place. And though everything else is crumbling, though people are weeping and in terrible distress, God is, and He is always God. I am the I am. So that means. He is eternally present and even when you're going through your worst nightmare and you think that that everything is over, somehow, somewhere in the darkness there's that little flicker of light which has nothing to do with me but is all about God's faithfulness. And I was thinking back to that, you know, the the Psalm 130 where uh, the people say we wait for, for God more than centuries watch for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries watch for the dawn. And that psalm, you probably know this, Karen, but that psalm was read after Mass along with the prologue from St. John's Gospel. Uh, they started doing it in the Great Hunger, in the famine in Ireland. And I just think that's amazing. I didn't know that. They read it at the end of Mass right through a friend of mine said the other day, right through until Vatican II. And it's a most, it's a most powerful psalm. From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. If you kept a record of our sins, who could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness. And I'm counting on the Lord. 
I put my hope in his word and I long for him. With the Lord there is unfailing love. In a sense it almost says it all. the golden thread and it's running straight through and that's a bit like love and like forgiveness those are not feelings you know feelings are fickle and they're all over the place but there is a sense in which love is a decision and forgiveness certainly is a decision if I waited till I felt like forgiving I'd wait from now till kingdom come and feel absolutely justified in not doing it because look what they did to me Forgiveness is about freeing oneself. Reconciliation always takes two, and it doesn't always happen. But forgiveness is about freeing me up, you know, whether the other person cares to receive the forgiveness or not. So it's a decision I make. And for me, not in my own strength, but in the power of the name. So forgiveness is freeing yourself up. Freeing yourself up to be released into your true self, if you like, rather than the lesser self that's imprisoned in the shadows of all sorts of things, what some would call the ego. Don't get me wrong, we need our ego. Obviously, we do in order to survive and live. But when that becomes the be all and the end all, then we're we're stunted, we're trapped, we're imprisoned. Mm -hmm. And uh, to, in, in some even a little sense, to be opened up into something bigger and greater, which is within each of us. Wasn't it Marianne Williamson who said in Return to Love, people think that this was a Nelson Mandela quote, but it actually was Marianne Williamson about our biggest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our biggest fear is really of the light within us and and what's possible. And that turns so much upside down, doesn't it? And that goes back to what you were saying earlier about turning around. Um, around one what, thing. Yes, yes. So mm-hmm. as we release what we hold on to that stops us from being our true selves, mm-hmm. we are also able to turn that one thing around and mm-hmm. maybe restore a relationship with somebody else or yes. just not be held by that, whatever it is that is yeah. holding us yeah. back. My soul is- biggest freedom God gave us when he made us was the freedom to choose, even the freedom to choose not to choose him, which is a supreme act of love. Mm -hmm. But when every other freedom is taken away, there's one that remains, and that's the freedom to choose how we react Mm -hmm. to a situation or person. Mm -hmm. 
That's a good reminder. Which I find hugely challenging. It is hugely challenging. Challenged in it every day. (laughs) I'm certainly challenged by that on a daily basis. (laughs) And we have the freedom to respond to the love, to the belovedness that we Mm -hmm. awaken to. And I think even just being aware of that helps us to respond. We can certainly ignore that a lot of the time, even if we know it kind of on an intellectual level. Um, But taking the time to attend to that sense of belovedness helps with how we then go about our days. Years ago, I, I read the John Bradshaw quote, interestingly enough, in a book he wrote called Healing the Shame That Binds You. And he said, we are not material beings on a spiritual journey. We are spiritual beings who need an earthly journey to make us fully spiritual. And I just love that. So we come from God and we're returning to God. So we are already spiritual beings But everything that happens to us on this earthly pilgrimage has the potential, potential because it's our choice, for us to become more fully spiritual, in a sense, more like God. But it's interesting that, you know, according to that idea, you need the earthly and the tactile and we need our bodies in order to go through Mm -hmm. journey pilgrim Mm -hmm. through life in order to become more fully who we are in our in our spiritual sense yeah and uh, that's why jesus chose to take on all of that Mm. incarnation as he pilgrimed through so it is possible for us to as well incarnation god choosing to be on this physical journey with us as we become more fully who we are Um, yeah have you ever come across uh the poem advent for the dancing god by jennifer woodruff it's a very powerful poem about god is dancing still why i do not know wild rains are blowing and the night is deep you know and and she says in it come find me once again Descend, be born, be racked by wind and crucified and torn, yet never stop the dance. It tells us again who God is, this God who is the I am and is still being racked by wind and crucified. This Advent, I'm very aware of the continuation of this experience every year. You know, you come back to the same place and here we are again, Mm -hmm. getting ready for the incarnation or the birth of Jesus and... Here we are again telling these stories and you would think that we would become jaded by, we know the end of the story. (laughs) We know how it turns out. And yet here we are again, and we are still able to celebrate afresh. We're sort of in a cycle of being at the beginning of the story and knowing how the story ends, but then knowing that that's also not the end of the story. Um, I, I sort of think with Advent, it's partly because it's always mystery. But a mystery that doesn't depress us because we'll never know, but a mystery that's profoundly knowable at a level beyond the head. Yeah, there's something that's not just wishful thinking or childish dreams or fantasies. There's actually something very real and ever-present in the I am of God going on at this season and each season of of the Christian year. I wonder if Advent is is kind of a thin place, you know, yes. it's a place where we, there is something different. I've always felt that with Advent. I, I never could really 
put my finger on what it was, but I think since I was a child, I used to like to sit in front Mm -hmm. of the Christmas tree with the, with the little Christmas lights on. And I was always overcome with something, you know, it was a very holy, special, sacred moment, just me and the tree. And I just did that the last few days as well. Mm -hmm. And it brought me back to that. I do that too. Do you? (laughs) And also with my candle on the crib. I can't really say what it is, but it is, it is a really holy moment and not necessarily being able to put it to words, but knowing there was something special going on and I needed to pay attention. Maybe just quickly, what is keeping your spirit afloat these days? Well, in Advent, there's always, no matter what's going on, there's this surge of hope, mm-hmm. hope that, which is more, it's not wishful thinking, you know, that, that there's so much more to life and to, to our story than we've yet tapped into. And I was thinking, you know, if, if we were finishing off, what would be the, the thing from the Psalms that I would want to say? And immediately Psalm 85 sprang to mind, yes. you know, the divine whisper of something more unfailing love and truth will meet together righteousness which is really right relationships and peace will kiss and that's that's the dream if you like and and that's the hope yeah yeah that brings us back to the restoration of ourselves and our community yes that's the future that we are working toward and walking toward and longing for and seeking to live in the now now (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. As we sit in front of our Christmas trees and <laughs> take in the light. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Ruth. Oh, you're more than welcome. Thank you for asking me, Karen. And to love each other and to love You've been listening to Psalms for the Spirit, produced by myself, Karen Young Wimberly, with music by Celtic Psalms. On my website, kieranyoungwimberly.com, you'll find links to what I'm up to and opportunities to connect. Till next time, may our spirits find healing and hope in the days ahead. Come, spirit, come, rescue us, we pray. Shield.